Welcome to Tournament in a Tea Break. It's been day one of Wimbledon. I'm Ros Satar and I'm being joined by... Chris Sato. And we've just got back home. It's fairly late, but what a day uh, for all kinds of reasons. Obviously, the day belong the first day belongs to the men's champion who opens proceedings on centre court, and everybody was agog uh, at what garb Mr. Federer would walk out on. Was he going to be walking out with backwards on pants? No. <laughs> was he going to be walking out with uh, his perfect RF logo? Well, no. He came out beautifully um, attired in Uniqlo clothing. Which came as a surprise to, well, pretty much nobody, actually. So um, let's just talk a few little numbers that have been bandied around. $300 million over a 10-year contract? Unbelievable. That's so good, isn't I, it? I can't even... It? $300 million, I can't even get my head around how much that is. Just to wear something. <laughs> <laughs> or he might do a few more things. He might take a few pictures while wearing the... the said clothing i mean you you have to marvel at the um we always joke we internet people anyway always joke about how the the press boys and girls uh get their knickers in a knot over embargoes and we have to chuckle when the second roger federer walked out onto center court uh the head of uniqlo in the uk announced that he was now going to be the global brand ambassador um, at which point, obviously, the PR embargo had been lifted because everybody knew. Um, but at the same time, in a beautiful bit of coordination, which is quite surprising given the flakiness of this website in general, the ATP site had updated Roger in all his Uniqlo glory, which I thought was a particularly nice touch. Um, but anyway. Good on you for noticing that, Roz. I had not noticed that myself. In fact, I was having trouble getting my bearings. That, that news really caught me off guard that he had switched to Uniqlo. I mean, of course, we all knew it was likely going to happen, but, but to, to do it today on center court, and I was surprised, and I found it to be fun. It was a nice little aside that made the day more interesting. But now now it makes a lot of sense. So we were all kind of, he, he yes, uh, yeah, Sunday, he practiced and then came to press. So his press conference was delayed uh, to 3.30 because he was practicing at 2. And he comes into press in a suit. In a suit. We should have known something was weird. And everybody was just like, well, Roger's wearing a suit. <laughs> and nobody really sort of twigged. And now it makes sense. And he's been practicing in a Rod, in a sort of Labour Cup T-shirt. He has been practicing with his famous RF cap, which you've since learned that Nike owns the RF logo, um, although he did say something very interesting in press, that, you know, RF are my initials and it belongs to me and it will come back to me at some stage. Mm. Um, somebody told me that um, Mirka actually designed it and obviously somewhere in Nike had run with the, with the design and, you know, so I think there's a few legal entangle yeah. unentanglement. I suspect he'll have to pay a, a bit of a sum to get mm. that back but I hope in, in the long run that he does get it back for the sake of his fans his loyal fans right that love that logo and the, yeah that's the, the it's the most ubiquitous logo at, at, at these tennis terms you see it everywhere you see journalists wearing RF stuff I know that which is just ridiculous but I mean I had to giggle because what are all these RF clad 
Federer fans <laughs> going to do with all their? I, you've got to feel sorry for them because some of these people have got like every kit from every like slam imaginable. They've got the whole range. I think what was it you once described it as last year when we saw a colleague like dressed up as as Rafa? Is like, is he going to like tag team him in the middle of a match and say, hey, come on in and uh, and play for me because uh, you know my, my little bingy hurts. Yeah, I mean, you know these these fans will have shed a lot, will have dropped a lot of. Um, monkey pounds mm. on this kit yeah. was... um you know you you've got to you've got to feel for them in some way because this isn't like a lower ranked player i don't know i'm trying to think i think alga was originally with reebok and then went to lotto this isn't like a lower ranked player that that was with a fairly good brand but not a particularly high standing brand that went to another good tennis brand you're talking about somebody who actually probably made nike a lot of money with that particular branding and that particular franchise yeah for sure but um but yes oh and he played tennis pretty well as well didn't he no i nobody watched that we were all busy <laughs> trying to figure out the details of his uniqlo deal and waiting for him to finish that match which was pretty one-sided yeah. and uh, did anybody actually watch it from start to finish? I can't even finish? remember who he was playing. Oh, Lajevic, that was it. <laughs> but, but as it turns out, Federer now is going to make about $97.5 million annually, including endorsements and prize money. Well, the prize money will fluctuate. You know what's interesting to me about this deal before we leave this subject is that Federer is 36. This is a deal not necessarily, a 10-year deal, not necessarily for a player, but for a player who is going to retire and be transitioning. So it's going to be really kind of interesting to see how they make this deal play out over the next 10 years because certainly he's not going to be playing Wimbledon when he's 46 no. or even 41, we would guess. No, I'm, I mean, it's, uh, he, there's, there's got to be either a very generous exit clause for him or something that ties him into some kind of involvement with tennis long after he retires because that's a serious amount of money to drop for 10 years for somebody that's, you know, at the pinnacle, admittedly, but at the Correct. end of his career. Yep. So, uh, so yeah. Um, but there was a lovely moment in Serena's press where she, somebody had sort of said to her, because one of the things that Federer said, I think a lot of players who've got kids have said it actually, they want to play for as long as their kids are at an age where they get what mummy or daddy is is doing on court. Andy said it, Federer said it. He was he was very sweet because he, he sort of described the boys and he was like kind of, well, you know, they know that I play tennis a lot and they know that if I do it really well, there's like kind of a trophy in there somewhere. And they're, <laughs> they're super excited about the trophies. Um, but they, you know, they don't really, they, they wouldn't understand my ranking. So obviously his girls are of an age where they probably understand that if daddy's had a bad day, maybe just leave him alone right. for a bit whereas the kids whereas the, the the lads probably don't so somebody said to serena you know are you going to keep playing until olympia actually understands it she was like oh my god you know how, how much longer is this man <laughs> planning on playing because i'm gonna have to quit when he does yeah um but serena's comeback was perhaps a little less um cut and dried as as roger's opening match she was tested by Arancharus um, quite effectively. I, I, you know, I was watching her, and she seemed off balance a lot of times. Um, you know, where you would normally have a real fluid action, she seemed to be kind of off kilter mm. for a forehand and backhand. But, you know, there were signs of the 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 old Serena there with some decent stab volleys and some great stuff at the net. But um, she is the she is the princess of of playing herself into form. I think that's what she's going to have to do. Because it, it wasn't as convincing. I think she's lucky that she had a somebody that she could 
could actually sort of beat fairly convincingly, but I don't know. Um, she's well, got a few. She's got a couple of easy rounds, so she can get herself going. Yeah, well, not surprising at all that she'd be rusty or wouldn't be that smooth, but still able to get by in a relatively uncomplicated fashion. I mean, she makes the transition from clay where she had to pull out a Roland Garros mm. and go home to grass where she hasn't played at all but probably practiced a lot. It's got to mm. be difficult even when you're Serena. So uh, just to be able to get through that, to hit 115 on the serve is nice. Yeah. That's kind of close to top speed, and I think it'll probably only get faster from here. So Yeah, I mean, this was this was the first real test about the uh, the pec muscle. Um, as I said, she, she's, she's the expert in playing herself into form. So I'm not too worried until we get to maybe Keys and Manic Monday. That's a nice one to target. I mean, we already saw Svitolina get bounced out of that little mini section of the draw. So it's Tomova and then possibly Maria or Mladenovic looks like, I would guess, smooth sailing if Serena plays better and better each round to get to uh, Manic Monday. Yep, okay. Uh, and you touched on uh, some of the shock scattered seeds for the day. Quite a few shocks um, on, on I mean, there were, there were quite a few, but we'll, we'll, we'll focus on what we think were the top four. Uh, I mean, let's start with Svitolina. She, there's something, she's incredibly consistent. Uh, nobody's going to you know, argue that. She's won some very good titles. She's been able to back it up. She, you know, she backed up the Rome title, you know, and she looked a nailed-on favourite for for um, Roland Garros. I was convinced um, after the first few rounds that actually Hallett was toast and that Svitolina was going to, to, to walk it. And then she got Buzanescu'd. Um, you know, and, and this curse of her not being able to translate that same consistency uh, on the tour when it comes to a slam. I, 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 just, I just don't get it and it's not even like you know like sometimes Nadal will play will crush people in the early rounds but as soon as he comes up against a lot more established and a lot more experienced players it it starts to get real um whereas Svitolina is like the anti-Nadal honestly in I'm... that she just falls apart to anybody she could fall apart to a ball boy with a racket I don't know how Svitolina is set up to be long term I honestly don't know I mean I think this is her 24th slam without making a but semi but how could she be 24 slam I mean, she must have been playing when she was like 5 years old for god's sake yeah true true <laughs> 6 years worth of majors for her so... that's shocking but, but I think I just don't know where she's headed long term like will she be able to stay in the top 10 of course she's very talented I mean, she's a great fighter and a, and a great striker of the ball and a great defender, but did she has she really de- gone out and developed the weapon that she needed maybe on the server and the forehand side? I'm not so sure. I just I just I think she's always going to be suspect at these tournaments where everybody plays their best. But hats off to Maria Tatiana Maria, who mm. you know kind of parlayed at her first career title in Mallorca and, and is still playing well here in Wimbledon. A lot of times you don't see that. You see the people come out with you know a title earlier in the grass season yeah. they flop um, here. So nice win for her. Well, here's, here's my question to you. Is Svitolina going down the same kind of path as Wozniacki did in at the, at the sort of start of her career where she was incredibly consistent, was a permanent presence on the tour, got to number one, even reached a couple of slam finals, which is something that Svitolina has yet to come even close to, before she finally made a breakthrough many, many, many years later in terms of slam titles in Australia this year. Is Svitolina destined to go down that kind of path? Because right now... She has slamless number one written all over her. I don't think she has number one written all over her. Oh, I think best. I think, I think your Wozniacki would be 
best case scenario for her. I don't know why. I really love her, you know, her yeah. fight, her mentality, and a lot of things about her game. But I just don't see like a lot of upside. And you don't see her coming anywhere near the number one spot. Even even allowing for the volatile volatility of not, the not in today's tour, but there's there's too yeah. many there's too many good players. I okay. mean, you know, if she if she really can do it, I mean, you you know, she's up there pretty close. You got to give her a lot okay. of credit. She's a top five player. I shouldn't talk down on her, right? You know, but I don't I don't see it. That's where I'm going to make my well, bet. Well, right yeah, now. okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, she's had many a chance to over to to, to to grab the number one spot, and the people that have in the melee after Serena um sort of stepped away to have. Olympia yeah. um, have been consistently Halep, Wozniacki, Pliskova, and Muguruza. Svitolina has always been in that mix, yeah. but she's never actually grabbed it. All of those have. And right. I'll, I'll, I'll count Wozniacki in there because obviously she had a big resurgence and came back up the rankings and you know finished at quite a, quite a click. Well, you know what? Year. They've all picked up 2,000 points at, at, yeah, a big, yeah. at a big major, and that's how you do yes. it. That's how you get ranked yeah. number one these days. So... Uh, Except pick, for Pushkova. Pushkova is now the, the only slammer's number yeah, one. She in, got that in the U.S. Open final. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And was but it around that time that she got up to number one? Uh, no, 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 she got she... number. She she picked up number one by accident here after she got out in the <laughs> oh second round. She did. Yeah. So, but it still counts. The in talking of slams and slam winners and um, not quite number one, Sloane Stevens I think was a surprise. Well. It was a surprise loss to me, but you I think you called it last night because you said that she rarely does good back-to-back slams. Yeah, I was hopeful that she might with that draw. It's a beautiful intersection, and it really was a ni- it was and still is a nice opportunity. It might be Donna Vekic's opportunity now, mm-hmm. though, which oh, would be really wow. a fun story. Vekic <laughs> and Vavrinka for the title, power couple. Okay, before I vomit in <laughs> my dustbin... Um, well, well they nicely won. segued, actually. <laughs> so Vavrinka on one leg, a la Halep in, in Australia, um, manages to take out Dimitrov. And we touched on this yesterday. Um, and you, you poo-pooed the idea, saying, oh, you know, Vavrinka's been playing really badly. Um, but hey, you know, Dimitrov looks like a little lost boy at the moment. He, he doesn't really know what... Yeah, he looks a little bit punch drunk. It's like he went out and nicked his dad's liquor key. <laughs> he's been there before. And yeah, be there and he's again. been swigging away, and like, <laughs> and now he's got the mother of all hangovers, and he really doesn't know what to do to fix it. I mean, what's what's wrong with that? That's child? our Grigger. That's our Grigger. Wait, wait, uh, tune back in in the next year, and he'll be in the semifinals of a major in the, in a fifth set. And probably lose in heartbreaking fashion. He's a hell of a player when he's at his best. He he's a magical kind of player. But yeah, he fumbles around and gets in these crazy, quirky, very where you just can't find ways to win. It's it's Did kind of it's kind break of him in Australia, and since then he's just been this shell of a husk of a man. I think so. I think he he. He gave his best punches there, and they weren't effective enough, yeah. and that might have been, in a, in, a, in a sense, demoralizing to him, where he had to retreat for a little bit. You can only do it for so long unless yeah. you're one of these giants at the top of the game, one of these Rafa, Roger type, and Novak type of ATP players. You know, for the rest, it's tough to maintain it. Um, nice win for for Stan. Here I am always saying nice win for the other guy, but Stan's got Fabiano next, and then the Sitsipas Donaldson winner. Could could Stan play a good Wimbledon? Could he kind of, could this be the turning point for him back to the Stanimal? Mm, Don't think I, so. Huh? Six and nine I, on the I, season. Well, and, and I just think again, with, as with Djokovic at Roland Garros, I just think it's a slam too soon for him. 
Yeah, I know, um, but, but I'm thinking this is always a... But it could be a turning point for the rest of the yeah, year. Yeah, to get sure. onto the hard courts and maybe be yeah. a beast again. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he does show some glimmers of like that beautiful, God, beastly definitely, tennis. He right? definitely did today. Yeah. I mean, we you know, we were watching and you know, we took our eyes away for one minute. It was like, whoa, what happened here? But um, in turn, while we're talking of whoa, what happened here, obviously Federer's conqueror in Haller, born in Chorich, there was a lot of eyes on him thinking that he would probably go far. And he didn't. Smoked by Medvedev, who, as it, as we all know, is pretty good on grass and can be difficult to face because he, he keeps his, his his drives are flat. He doesn't look like this quintessential grass player, but he, he kind of creates <laughs> creates confusion for other players. Well, they're, that's because they're... when he turns sideways, he disappears. That boy is so thin. <laughs> Very true. That boy, a... that boy is so thin, he makes Djokovic look chunky. That's how oh, thin Medvedev is. Yeah, maybe maybe so. But he does pop the serve. Ninja get, Gets close to 130 on the serve, and again, it's one of those twisting serves that seems to like find the grass and skid away. So, But Borna, that sucks. I mean, that's the thing you don't want to do in grass season. Win a title that yeah. doesn't... I mean, it yeah. matters. It, it'll always yeah. be a good title for him, but win a title early, beat Federer, and then have nothing left in which he clearly... He was kind of ailing physically today as well, yeah. so... I mean, yeah... He's young and he's got plenty of chances, but that that will have been a, a tough loss for him, yeah. really. So we have a lot to look forward to on day two. Uh, let's start with an entire nation of Slam champions. Uh, we have Rafael Nadal, obviously the French Open champion, and our reigning Wimbledon champion, Gabinia Muguruza, uh, in action. Muguruza, of course, starts with Britain's own Naomi Brody. You got to oh, you got to feel for the Brody. For the Brody Bunch, because oh. uh, did you see what I did there? <laughs> You're good. Um, You're I good. know. <laughs> I'm here all week. Um, you, you have to. I mean, Liam Brody. I thought did really well today. He he stayed with um, he stayed with Rounich all the way through that first set. Maybe he was a bit unlucky uh, to lose it in the breaker. I think. Well, no, he got broken. At the, he got broken in the last game. Right. That was it. He was right there in the and first. And then he lost what twelve out of the last thirteen games. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, he'll want to look at that and look at his reaction to losing that tough first set. Yeah. I mean, it's all a learning experience, yeah. right? And um, Naomi might have a similar experience oh, tomorrow. I mean, I, I I frustrate my tennis instructor all the time because I'm fast. I'm just like completely <laughs> obsessed with her backhand, where her non-dominant hand is like clamped to her side. You watch, you watch this. It's clamped to her side, and I she like plays like a that. backhand with no. Uh, there's no balance there's no counterbalance there's no nothing it's it is the most strangest thing i knew somebody in my tennis class who played her four front her forehands like that her hand would be and i and we always used to be like how can you even do that it's a very strange shot it's an incredibly strange shot but it is actually quite quite effective no, she's good with it she's, she so, can crack it for sure but i think she's i think it's going to be small margins it's going to be maybe one or two breaks in each and mugaruth is going to do just enough to 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 keep her at bay it's a it's a rough opener for for naomi i do feel for her um and nadal opens against duty seller uh and i think this is going to be a route i i i would i'm going to be generous and i'm going to give seller six games in three sets what about you 
I think when was it that Sella didn't Sella upset Murad Safin in Wimbledon in the first or second round? That that was probably one of his few Wimbledon wins. Yeah, but, maybe. But yeah, I think I think everybody seems to be really excited about Rafa, probably because he just won Roland Garros again, and, and like it's kind of still fresh in our memories how amazing he is there, and it, and we just everybody's kind of dying to see him have a decent Wimbledon, and of course it's been since 2011 since he yeah. made the quarterfinals, and I think most people think that there's a good shot for him to do it this year. So let's get it started. Right. And... Well, the other thing is, of course, with the weather having been as it is, the might the as well be are... Mallorca here. Well, exactly. The <laughs> the, the the grass is scorched. Um, not that scorched because we've had quite a few nasty little spills. Um, but it's playing very quick. I think. Yeah, I think it. it there's a, there's a feeling that Rafa likes it. He said he felt the grass was a little bit longer in his pre-tourney press conference. Like, and if, if if whether it is or not, and of course the grounds people will vehemently deny that it's any longer than eight millimeters. And I think I talked to Neil Stubbley, the groundsman, the other day, and he said, I asked him how long is the grass at the end of the day, and he says maybe a fraction, eight, maybe eight point one seven millimeters. I'm getting off the subject, but I think Rafa <laughs> might like these conditions, and yeah. we're hoping that he does. And, and if he does, and if he's comfortable, we all know he needs to kind of find a way to get in that second week where he does like the conditions better because he likes that dirt under his feet rather than slippery grass. Yeah. And who knows? He could have a shot here. Well, as I said, I mean, the grass has been slippery. There's been a few tumbles. Uh, so let's hope that our resident ankle roller, Simona Halep, doesn't do oh, herself a mischief. Um she is back in action. She hasn't been anywhere near the green stuff either since lifting her maiden slam. Uh, she's slated to meet Joe Conter in the fourth round. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how she does. I mean, she's against um, Kurumi Nara, who's had a disaster of a year. So I don't think it's going to be a tough, a tough one for Halep. I think she's going to come coasting through that really rather nicely. What do you reckon? I think so. It probably will be challenging for her to get back on the grass after so much has happened in her life. Slow and start, maybe? I would suspect she'll not be uh, scintillating. But, okay. I, but I think she gets through. She's a fighter. She'll find a way. I, I, I'm, I'm predicting an ugly match. Okay. Um, many people's favorite for the title, Petra Kvitova, starts off again today. Uh, I mean, right. Now, I want to see her play obviously but right now i i definitely put her, definitely put her in as a favorite i think so i think a lot of people are feeling that it, it could be petra's time again i mean she's awesome here she's amazing on yeah. this grass and she's amazing in general she's been since she's come back from that horrific injury she's been nothing but like an inspiration and yeah. i think i hope she continues to be here at wimbledon because it'll be a great storyline to follow for the next week and a half oh for sure uh maybe a slightly Less intriguing, but no doubt interesting story to follow will be how Sharapova does. Obviously, last year she took herself out of the running for any kind of wild card after the French uh, denied her a, a wild card. Um, there's no none of the intrigue that we thought we'd see uh, in Paris where she could meet with Serena or any other person that it resents her coming back. Um, so it's 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 going to be interesting to see her do it because ever since that t 2004 um, breakthrough, she's not really performed here. No. It's I, I, strange. 
it's I don't think she's played here since 2015, right? So mm-hmm. so this will be a fresh start for her. She's got the candy store up there, uh, you know, in the village. That's You're probably <laughs> with that candy store. I need to stop there tomorrow morning. But you can't though because it won't be open. But it won't, it won't be open if you're going if you carry on if you leave that early. <laughs> um, oh boy. So you might end up having to leave with me I think anyway. There could be a link between that Sharapova pop-up and her success at Wimbledon this year. And we're going to keep an eye on that very closely. Um, There are Brits, of course, in action. We have Kyle Edmund, Johanna Conter and Heather Watson at the sort of top of the tree as the main draw bodies. And we have a raft of wildcards, obviously Naomi Brody um, leading a whole load of them. Uh, We have high hopes for Kyle and for Joe to at least make it to Manic Monday. Very high hopes. Uh, Well, Kyle will have a tougher time getting Yeah, because he's going to get past Djokovic. I mean, there's no reason why Conta can't get to a fourth round clash, I believe, with Simona Halep. And then if she comes through that, she ends up with Kvitova. And I I think I said before, I don't see her going past the quarterfinal in Kvitova's form right now. Um, and if she was of the kind of ilk as she was last year, when she if she faces Halep, then I would put her to beat Halep again. But she's her confidence is coming back. It is coming back. But it's confidence is a is a fickle um, is a fickle lover, mm. um, and it's it's slow. And every you know, um, it seems that it's two steps forward three steps back for her she'll she'll get a couple of wins she'll seem to be confident and then she'll hit a tricky player that maybe she hasn't played before which isn't good for her um first round because she'll be she'll be playing a first timer um you know i i think if she gets through a couple of rounds that will help if she if she goes walkabout then you know it could end very her whole nasty. season could blow up i mean yeah. i think this is the part of the season where she derives her confidence from she really needs to get some wins here and kind of like you know whether she ends up going very deep or not i think she needs a few wins a few convincing wins to take to the hard courts because she's kind of in a little bit of a shaky ground right now well i mean talking of shaky ground you know heather watson as well i think she's she's defending third round points here uh, she does, She can play well on grass. Her confidence is maybe a little bit further back from Conta's. It is coming back again slowly, but, you know, whereas when she lost in Birmingham, she felt that she was doing the right things and it was a tight match that she lost and there was no shame to losing a very tight match. When she lost in Eastbourne, I think it was a match that she could have won and she just was very much down on herself. Uh, it's not an easy start for her as well. She's got a very informed Kirsten Flipkins who comes off the back of a, a good one. run as well. So it's it's going to be tough, I think. And, you know, obviously Naomi Brody leads the rest of the wild cards. Uh, we, had a, we had a great result with Katie Swan taking out uh, Irina Kamina Begu. Yeah, that was, that and, and, and taking out really, really well. Um, I think if we do see a winner out of uh, Wildcard City, I would fancy it would be Gabriella Taylor to, to put one over Eugenie Bouchard. That's that's my pick for the it's surprise. Certainly achievable. At yeah, this, at this I'm point trying to think who Bolter's got. Bolter has. Oh, I can't remember now off the top of my head. Who's this? Where are we? Bear with us. Sped Rug. Oh yes, yeah, Sped Rug. Yeah, she actually Bolter. Bolter could could win that. Um, the Paraguayan doesn't have a great record on the turf, so we might get to, we might come away with two wins, three. Sorry, if we include um, Joe in that as well. I'd like to see Heather get an upset. I, I, I really, really like Heather Watson as a person. 
I, I would like to see her get the win. Um, I just think that Flip's in form right now. Yeah. She's coming off the back of a final or win. I can't remember now. She loves it here. This is a special place yeah. for her. Yeah, so. former semi-finalist here. Yeah. So it's it's going to be tough. However, we will guide you through it, dear listeners. We will be back we tomorrow uh, to assess how day two, uh, otherwise known as the rest of the first round, went. Uh, we'll have another look at how many seeds were scattered. And, uh, and what we can look forward to in round two. But until then, I'm looking at a pile of ironing. What are you looking at? Uh, what are you looking at? I'm going to get into reading some stories here about what happened today, what I missed. Okay. All right. Till then, you've been listening to Ross Satar. And Chris Otto. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.